Welcome back, everyone. I am Robertson Beyer, and sitting virtually across from me, as always, is Ben Parker of Phantom Sports, and we are the odds on favorite. If you love football, you are in the right place. What we do here, if you haven't been here before, is we go over key matchups in the NFL, and we tell you where we would place our money. Ben, how are we doing tonight? Another crazy week, another very good week of football, uh, NFL Week 5. I'm doing great. Now, listen, anybody who put their money where I said to put it last week is not doing great. Because <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I went one and four last week, and three of them weren't even close. So for those of you who put their money where I said to do it last week, uh, I apologize. Uh, we'll try to do better this week. Uh, you know, I'll do the best I can. Uh, but no, I'm doing great, man. Thank you very much. Well, I'm just glad I didn't lose anything. I lost some dignity. Yes. We 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 both yes. lost a little bit, but uh, right. you know, that's just it. Just comes with what we do. Just comes with what we do. We're gonna lose a lot more probably than we win. But you need to understand as as the listener, you need to understand that. So if if you put your whole your whole faith and your whole trust in us, then you know, shame on you then. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's your fault. Listen, my only solace is that out of the games we picked, Vegas also only went two and three. So in, in that instance, as you mentioned, I'm only a game behind. Yeah, and I and I said to Ben that, you know, if you're a game behind Vegas every week from here on out, you'll be a rich man very quick. That's it. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay, get into a game. Uh, and to the recap of last week, game that we were both wrong on, uh, the Bills absolutely blew out the Steelers. We didn't say the Steelers would win, but we at least said that they would cover. Um, it was 38-3, to three, uh, just an absolute beatdown. Um, question for you, Ben, to, to get this recap started. Tomlin made the switch midweek uh, last week. I forget who they were playing. I think it was like the, the Bears, I think. I don't even remember who the Steelers were playing the week before. They made the switch from Mitchell Trubisky to Kenny Pickett in the middle of the game and then said that Pickett was going to start from here on out. I don't disagree with the decision to to make the switch, but do you disagree with the, the timing of the switch, knowing that the first start for Kenny Pickett was going to be against the Bills? Because as we said last week, this is a hard first game for a rookie quarterback going up against possibly the best team in the NFL. The timing was a little weird, right? And And I don't know, maybe... Maybe Mike Tomlin, it, it didn't feel planned, right? Because you mentioned it, middle of the week, middle of the game. I mean, it this, it, this did not feel planned. We knew the Bills game, but the, the game before did not feel planned. So the timing was weird. Maybe maybe as a coach, Tomlin maybe just trusts his instincts and maybe an alarm bell just went off inside of him and said, nope, it's time to switch. Maybe he already saw that the players in the locker room could tell who the better quarterback was already in practice. I, I don't know. I trust Mike Tomlin on a lot of these things. Um, turns out you get the Bills game, uh, even though the score was an utter beatdown. Pickett actually threw for over 300 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of bad passes. You know, the completion percentage wasn't astoundingly great. But they didn't lose 38-3 to because of Pickett, right? They, they really lost because that secondary, the Steelers' secondary, was just the worst we've seen it all year, probably the worst we've seen it in a couple of years, really. And the Bills were doing everything right. Uh, the Steelers really couldn't run the football very well. The, the Bills could do basically almost anything they wanted to. So, yeah, the timing was weird. But, uh, you know, hats off to the Bills here. And a massive win, a uh, huge win here, 38-3 to for, for Buffalo, probably their best game of the season. Asking a rookie quarterback to play or even asking him to play up to Josh Allen's level in order to at least be competitive in a game against the Bills is a very – tall task and a very hard ask of a rookie quarterback so you know I agree like I said I agree with the decision but I'm not so certain about the timing I thought Pickett showed some 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 good some good things some bad things obviously I said he was at least going to make three bad mistakes I don't I think he only had one interception though less than I thought was going to happen probably as I was expecting maybe two or three if it got to this point but no he protected the ball pretty well um, I think he has a bright future, though. It's still too, way too early to tell, but you know, is what it is. Uh, next game was the uh, Dolphins at the Jets. Now, neither of us anticipated Teddy Bridgewater going down in the first series. But that being said, though, the Dolphins are kind of spiraling right now. 
they had a very promising start with Tua. He gets injured. That whole drama thing happens. There's some drama surrounding the team. Not like there wasn't already with everything going on with ownership. And they get kind of beat down a little bit by the Jets. I think if Teddy Bridgewater stays in the game, it's a very different game. But the Jets are the Jets are gaining momentum here. Uh, it was forty to seventeen was the final score. Um, are the Dolphins in trouble? And uh, how real can this Jet Jets team be? Uh, we said before the season started that we're, we we were going to see improvement, but how much improves can we possibly see the Jets? The Jets already looked better than I expected. Which, by the way, the first two or three weeks they looked awful. So that's saying a lot. Right. But the past two weeks they've improved dramatically. The Dolphins are in trouble, yes. If they don't get Bridgewater back or Tua back soon, and I'm, I'm really not eager to see Tua back on the field anytime soon because of mm. health reasons, but if they don't at least get Bridgewater back, and listen, Skylar Thompson can, can maybe develop into a decent backup quarterback, but not right now. I, I don't expect much of anything out of him this year. So, yeah, the Dolphins are in trouble. I think they already – they already had some questions entering the season with Tua and with the new free agents. They looked like they were blowing past all those questions in the first three or four weeks. And if they don't get Bridgewater back, and I hope they do, I think they will. But if they don't, they have some trouble on their hands. Uh, there's no question about it. So they need Bridgewater back. It, it will be interesting to see, even with Bridgewater. The first four or five weeks of the NFL season, everybody's trying to figure each other out. So if you've got any cracks, any weaknesses, anything at all, by week six, seven, everybody's figured it out. Everybody's exposing you. Everybody's working on it. You, you, it's up to you to readjust again, right? So can right. the Dolphins do that? Can they get Bridgewater back? Can they cover up their weaknesses that everybody else has seen on tape? It's a huge question, but a huge win for the Jets, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, rolling right along here uh, to the Lions uh, at the Patriots, a game that we thought was going to potentially be a high-scoring match. Turned out to be the opposite. Um you know, Goff did not live up to that revenge game that I thought he was going to have against Belichick. I think that you also thought he was going to have against Belichick, uh, getting revenge based on that Super Bowl a few years ago. Um, they get they just get embarrassed, really. Uh, Twenty nine to nothing is not a good score. It's not a good look. Um, I think the Dan Campbell experiment is not going in the right direction. You would have thought you'd see some early returns uh, by week five in the season. They have not. Um, but on the Patriots side of it, can Bailey Zappi uh, build on a solid first start? I don't think he's going to be playing that much more, but, you know, just kind of a a forward-looking looking question. Yeah. I, I, Belichick, if, if he can't build a roster anymore or if he can't draft, he is, he is better than anybody at hiding weaknesses and exploiting other teams' weaknesses. So if, if Zappi does have to play moving forward, Belichick will figure out a way to you know, keep the chains moving and, and, and keep the keep the Patriots competitive. It's right. so sad for the Lions, man. My gosh, was yeah. there a better feel good story for the first three weeks other than maybe the Dolphins? I mean, we all just loved watching the Lions. They have the worst defense in football. It's you know really not that close at the moment. Unless you, I think the Ravens' defense is getting better. The Lions is getting worse, and now their offense just got shut out. <laughs> By the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, you're right. It's not going well. Um, we, we thought the Lions had maybe turned a corner and were going to be competitive this year, and the past couple of weeks have been have been very brutal for Detroit. Um, by the way, this is one of the games, if you were picking the under on these five games last week, you would have won four out of the five games, and it wouldn't have yeah. been close. A lot of these scores were, were double-digit unders compared to what Vegas had put out there. So – uh, maybe a trend to watch out for as the season moves along. Um, but, again, Patriots here, um, I'm going to ask you, they looked awful at the start of the season. Any chance for the play, for the playoffs here for New England? I don't think so. Um, it seems like everyone's uh, offense looks good against the Lions. They're, as you said, the Lions' defense is terrible. It's going to depend on – when Mac Jones gets back, I don't really know his status. I think there was a chance he could have went last week, but I think they were just being overly cautious, and I don't know that he was totally ready to begin with. Um, if he does come back, I'm still not really expecting much. I like their running backs, but again, their defense is still a bunch of no-names. It seems like just pieces thrown together. I don't trust Matt Patricia or Joe Judge. That coaching staff still has me worried. 
not Belichick per se, but just the assistance. It just has me worried. The AFC is just too competitive. I don't see them doing anything really. Something to watch out for. I'm looking ahead here, and I haven't deep dived onto this. Over under for Patriots Browns next week. Not a game we're covering, but over and under is 42 and a half. Both teams like to run the football. Patriots because they're not sure that they can throw it, and I'm All not right. sure they can either. Uh, the Browns because they have maybe the best running attack in the game right now outside of Tennessee, perhaps. So um, if both teams start running the football a lot in that game and have success at it, um, you might see an under there again from the Patriots and the Browns at 42 and a half. Yeah, just going like, you know, instant reaction off of that, I'd probably take the under. I could see like a 1917 type game or, uh, you know, 1916 and 1815. Something like that. Uh, like you said, both teams love running the ball. So I could definitely see a game where Brissett and either Zappy or Jones are just – they're just not, not on the early game. Where, where it seems like a game that it should be, they're just not on the early game. Okay, moving on to the next game. Uh, game that made me sad. Uh, <laughs> the Rams just – I was trying to think of a, an adjective to describe how the Rams looked. And honestly, the only thing I could come up with was shell-shocked. It looked shell-shocked against the Cowboys' defense. They had no answers. They had one big play to Cooper Cup that was just all Cooper Cup, really. I mean, it was a good ball by Stafford, but it was really just all Cooper Cup on that one. And outside of that play, they really didn't do anything. Um, they had a couple nice drives, but it clearly wasn't enough. They at no point in the game did you think that the Rams could could take control of the game. It was it was all Cowboys and Cooper Cup or not sorry not Cooper Cup Cooper Rush excuse me Cowboys quarterback. He he threw sixteen passes and they still won by double digits. I mean I I couldn't believe what I was watching. Really, um, is there any fix for the Rams, Ben? And uh, another question. How long can Cooper Rush keep Dak silent? Yeah, that's all great questions. I'll, I'll, I'll start off with this. I was actually happy with the Cowboys-Rams game <laughs> because <laughs> it was the only game last week that I got right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So let Fair me, enough. Yeah, let me toot my horn for literally five seconds, and then I'll shut up because I was wrong badly about everything else last <laughs> week. Uh, this was a bad matchup for the Rams. The offensive line is completely decimated, already had holes before the season started. Now they've had injuries. And you go up against the Cowboys' defense. It's not only playing well on the back end. They've got Micah Parsons and several other guys who are great at getting at, getting after the quarterback. So it was a really bad matchup for the Rams. Do they have hope moving forward? They do if they can get that uh, offensive line in gear. That that's the big thing. If it it is it is a shambles right now. Even without more wide receiving options, shout out to Odell Beckham Jr. Even without that. If they can get the offensive line solidified, that gives Stafford, who I know you like, and Sean McVay, who we both like, it gives them a chance to work with something, right? It gives them a chance to do what the 49ers are doing right now. That is just kind of mix, mix and match and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, stir the pot and scheme a little bit. But until that offensive line gets at least a little bit better, then no, the Rams are going to keep keep looking bad every week. But I, I think they will. Are they going to be a Super Bowl team? Maybe not, but I, I do think they can get this ship back to something closer to what we expect out of this franchise. I'll, I'll ask you, uh, and then I'll answer the Dak question while you're thinking about it. Cowboys, they're winning. <laughs> we yeah. weren't sure they would win with Dak Prescott. We, we yeah. thought maybe, maybe 10 wins, but certainly not a Super Bowl team. Uh, you could make the argument that they look just as good as anybody in the NFC outside of Philadelphia, perhaps. So I'll ask you, do they have a shot at the Super Bowl while you're thinking about it? I think as soon as Dak Prescott is fully healthy, not halfway healthy, fully healthy, I think he's back on the field. Cooper Rush has done a good job, but we haven't seen anything out of him this year that makes us think he's carrying this team to the victories, right? He's He's not losing. He's game managing. He's making a few key throws when he has to. He doesn't have a noodle arm. He's got a solid arm, right? But when Dak Prescott is truly fully healthy, and by the way, you know, them continuing to win 
allows them to to prolong that timetable for him to come back, no doubt about it. But uh, when he's fully healthy, Prescott will be back on the field, I I think anyway. But uh, question for you, man, uh, Cowboys Super Bowl, is it is it possible? As a Commander fan, it hurts to say this. If they keep doing this, I don't know how sustainable it is. And that's the big question. And I think the biggest question is Cooper Rush. The biggest thing with this is we have not seen Cooper Rush in a situation where the defense is failing. We have it's going to happen at least once, if not twice. Yes, it is. it, it yes. happens to every great defense. And I'm not it's it's hard for me to say this, but like if, if they keep doing this, man, if if Cooper Rush can can prove that if he needs called upon that he can deliver in a tight spot where the defense is failing, where the run game isn't going that well, then I see no reason for them to go back to Dak Prescott. I really don't. And that sounds crazy to say because of how much they're paying him. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, that's you know kind of one of the oldest cliches and adages in, 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 in humankind, really. <laughs> like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, don't mess with the formula that's working. I think they'd be stupid to go back to him. The biggest test, I think, is going to be against the Eagles, which we're going to talk about, um, which is coming up this Sunday night. That's going to be a big test because the Eagles look impressive, very impressive. Can Cooper Rush keep them keep them competitive? It, it's been working. It's been working. And I'm not one of these people that, you know, loves quarterback controversies because I honestly hate them. I've, as a Washington fan, you know, I, I've lived through too many of them. It, it's awful. But I think the Cowboys have a legitimate one right now. Until Cooper Rush shows otherwise, they have one. And again, I don't see a reason for them to go back to back. So as Super Bowl contender, at the moment, yes, because no one's figured it out yet. So you have to say yes to that. I'm going to go ahead and skip to the next game. Uh, Ravens and Bengals. It was a heck of a matchup. I'm going to steal your hosting duties for a second here. Go ahead. It was a heck of a matchup. We knew it going in. We knew these teams were close. We knew in the offseason these two teams were very close. But it was at Baltimore. I got it wrong here. I said Bengals go in and steal one. The Ravens won one at the last second. Fantastic game. Uh, thoughts about the game in general and thoughts about both of these teams moving forward. Who do you still like coming out on this division as you see them right now? Um, I do like the Ravens. I just think their schedule is more favorable than the rest of the division and, quite frankly, a lot of the other teams in the AFC. So I think they're going to get one of the top two seeds. That being said, I also think that the Bengals are the most impressive team under 500. You know, they've lost some pretty close games. It's really just the offensive line. And it comes back to my team. You know, we haven't been able to protect Wentz. And then we're also seeing it in L.A. with the Rams. They're not able to protect Stafford. Excuse me. The Bengals haven't been able to protect Burrow all the time. And you're seeing the effect it has on these quarterbacks not being able to protect them. We saw it in Miami when Tua was getting beaten up. Granted, it might not have been totally the offensive line's fault, but if he's under pressure, if he's under siege, then he's going to get hurt or he's going to be out of sync. I think the Bengals last year kind of messed up the formula a bit because I think teams looked at – I'm going off a little bit of a tangent here, but I think it's necessary. Teams looked at the Bengals they are like, okay, we don't need to invest a ton into the offensive line because the team that led the league in sack, like sacks given up, I think, made – made the Super Bowl. We don't need to invest in the offensive line a ton. We can get by with these mediocre pieces and still make it work. But they also didn't realize that, hey, we don't. not every team has Joe Burrow as their quarterback. And even the team that does have Joe Burrow as their quarterback is still struggling to a bit because they can't protect him. It's imperative that you protect the quarterback. Imperative. So... I like the Bengals. I still think that they make the playoffs. I think the Ravens win the division. 
I don't know how you feel about it. I, I still think that the Bengals are going to get turned around. I don't know when, but I know they are going to eventually. It's, it's a great point. I actually expect both of these teams to get better, barring injuries, right? And we're seeing right. we're seeing so many teams with so many injuries. The Broncos seem to get a, a, a season-ending injury basically every week right now. They were already struggling in the first place. The Raiders, who we thought were going to be good, uh, they looked okay against Kansas City, but their record's awful. They're, they're in such a deep hole. Who knows? So some of the AFC teams that we thought, the Colts, we'll, we'll talk about later, who we thought were going to be good, or not, these are two teams that have either looked very good or have played close games in the Bengals' case. I expect both of these teams actually to get better as the season goes along, not worse. To be fair, the Ravens have looked way better than the Bengals so far this year. I still think the two teams are very, very close. I think it's going to be a lot of fun the second time they play. I think they're going to be neck and neck all year, and I think at least one of them is going to maybe show up, sneak into the AFC title game this year and play either Buffalo or Kansas City, maybe pull an upset. I, I think both teams continue to be very good. Do you have a prediction on who uh, who gets the AFC North title? I, I'll stick with Cincinnati, but that is mm. only because only because I picked them in the preseason. Uh, <laughs> if I truly based it, in all fairness, on what we've seen in the first five weeks, I would have to pick Baltimore. They've looked way better in all the games leading up to the one we just watched. And I think that – has to do with Lamar Jackson, even though it wasn't a truly high-scoring game. He looks, he just looks so good this year. He really looks different to me, and I, I can only say it could be attributed to the contract, or maybe he's just tired of people saying crap about him. I don't know. But this I, this was I really another game. Ravens. I apologize for interrupting. This was another game, by the way. We mentioned there were four of them out of the five we picked. The over-under here was 48-and-a-half, which I thought sounded probably about right. Yeah, They scored a combined 36 here. We're continuing to see that throughout this throughout the league this year. The, the Vegas typically does not like to produce NFL lines under 40 unless they just have to. And in some of these cases, the quarterback struggles, the injuries, and then the defensive combinations are producing some pretty, pretty favorable unders here in these games, if you can catch them right. So – Quickly, before we get to week six and our predictions, just kind of like a reflection on week five. And this question kind of just goes to the season in general. This is, I think, one of the lowest scoring seasons like at this point in the season to date. I think within like the past like 20 years, like, you know, since the offensive pretty much exploded. Why do you think that is? with all these, you know, impressive quarterbacks and so much focus on receivers. Why do you think that is, especially now with these rules being so strict on quarterbacks and roughing the passer calls? And uh, there's an emphasis before the, the season started on illegal contact on defensive backs and linebackers. And they're strict on pass interference as always. Why is this happening? I, I can't figure it out. Well, I'm obnoxious enough to think that I might actually have a reason. In fact, I'm going to give you three. They may all be false, but let me have a go at it, <laughs> and go I'll ahead. make it fast. All Number right. one is we just had an off season that saw by far, by far more movement among names that we all know than any off season we've ever seen. So there's a lot of newness here kicking in for all of these teams. And in some of the cases, we saw quarterbacks lose their favorite target, like Green Bay. In other cases, we've seen uh, we, we've seen quarterbacks move and, and, and the targets stayed. That breaking up some of those quarterback wide receiver combinations, along with the newness of these teams, those are two reasons. Another one, though, I, I really think this is a huge thing. We're seeing more teams run the football than ever, not than ever, but more than they have in a very long time. Let's put it that way. So it's the rules changes that you mentioned. Teams for the past 15 years have been trending toward five defensive backs, six, even seven. The defenses are getting smaller. They're trying to stop the pass with, with any kind of exotic defense they can. There's less emphasis on the run. We knew it was going to come at some point. At some point, offenses in general, especially ones without a great quarterback, would have to start running the football because you just have the size mismatches. You can always plug in a fullback, an extra tight end, an extra offensive lineman if you want to. Heck, skip the quarterback and go wildcat. 
take the Lamar Jacksons and the Josh Allens, let them run the football, whatever. There's a million different ways now with the smaller defenses playing so many defensive backs that they're almost begging you to run the football. And, and for teams like the Colts or the Ravens or the whoever's, the Eagles, it's just there. But what that does, that chews up a lot of clock, right? Fewer right. possessions, fewer times to score. It really slows the game down. I enjoy seeing 12 to 9. I enjoy seeing 42 to 41. I love it both. But I think I think those are some of the things that are contributing, if I could say so. <laughs> Do you think that is going to continue throughout the year, possibly in the future, past this season? Yeah, I really do. I, it's all cycles. To me, it's, it's styles and cycles. It reminds me, really, if you're a boxing fan, of how the, the boxers who have the most different styles make the best fights. So when you have a defense that is great at stopping the run, I'm sorry, at stopping the pass, and then you have this offense that's really good at, at running the football, it really starts to add to the intrigue. I think we're going to see it. NFL defenses are going to be very slow. In fact, the rosters are built. It takes a season or two to reverse this. They're going to be very slow to start taking those defensive backs off the field in favor of letting those quarterbacks just launch these rockets all over the place. I think we're going to see a lot more of the run game for the next decade, really, because they know, boy, we're seeing it every week. They know that in a minute and a half, these quarterbacks can turn it into a touchdown. Yep. They'd rather just force you to run the football, and they'll live with that. I, I, I think we're, we're going to see a renaissance of the run game, quite honestly. I would so be in favor for that. Not that I don't love high-scoring games, but it right. just feels like the running game was headed its way out the past couple of years, so I'm more than happy to hear that. Yeah, I okay. love the fact that we can see 39-32 to 32 from Seahawks, Saints, and then 12 yes. mine from the Colts and the Broncos. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that field goal game. Uh, I got it. I loved it, but at the same time, it's like, oh, God. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> Okay, getting into week six now, our week six matchups. Uh, first game we're going to cover is Vikings at Dolphins. The Dolphins are a three-point dog at home. I can definitely see once Teddy Bridgewater, that I think we anticipate is going to be ruled out, that line's going to move pretty substantially, so don't expect that to stay at three. Um, but get we've talked about kind of the Dolphins are in trouble a little bit. Let's talk about the Vikings a little bit. Um, do the Vikings have a recipe – for sustained success. Boy, this is everything inside of me is screaming, don't trust the Vikings. Don't <laughs> yes. trust the Vikings. Same it's here. The Vikings. <laughs> but if you just, if you take away the bias, right, and you yeah. just look at what they've done this year, it's been great. It's been impressive. You're right. They, they've got a formula for success. They've got Dalvin Cook. They've got Justin Jefferson. Uh, except for a couple of plays, Kirk Cousins hasn't Kirk Cousins at anything, you know? Um, <laughs> the, the defense that we know, we know it has holes at every level, hasn't been a disaster. They, they, they've been okay. So in that NFC, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. They have a chance here now in the NFC to do something. And, you know, maybe not the Super Bowl, but I, I think they've got a chance to have a pretty good season. They've already shown that. Uh, I don't really have any reason other than my predisposed bias. Um, so I'll say they've got a good chance. I'm picking them to win this game. I think you already hit on the key. If Teddy Bridgewater isn't available, then pick the Vikings to cover almost any number, whether it's six or seven. And if the uh, if, if Bridgewater isn't there, pick the under on that 45 while you can, because I don't think mm -hmm. the Dolphins can hold up their end of the scoring bargain on this. Tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong. Uh, you're right. Um, if Teddy Bridgewater does is playing, I would say. I don't know if I would. I would. I don't know if I'd say cover. I just don't think the Dolphins are in a good place right now. Um, I'll just take the Vikings straight up. Honestly, I'll even. I'll even take the points with it. Um. So, I just don't know. Like you, I don't trust them. I know everything that we've seen the first few weeks is saying, yeah. This, this is a recipe for su sustained success, but it is Kirk Cousins. And I'm not saying he's going to vomit all over himself, but it's kind of a regression back to the mean. If you asked me, at least on the NFC side, 
like which team is the biggest fool's gold because there's always one or two of them. The two teams I'd give you are the Giants and the Vikings. And mainly that's due to the quarterback play and maybe their rosters are playing a lot better than what they should be. Like they're 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 overachieving. So I I'm not saying the Vikings are gonna crash, but I think there's gonna be a, a little bit of a regression back to the mean a little bit. We're all waiting and holding our breath, right, to see which of these teams is going to all of a sudden yank off the Superman cape and reveal themselves to be the utter disaster that we all knew them to be before the season started. (laughs) And some of them never do. Some of them have 10, 11 wins and and pick up a playoff win or two. Next game, I'm going to give you first crack at it. Cardinals at the Seahawks. Uh, The Cardinals starting to look a, a little bit better. The Seahawks have surprised us all year. Arizona's a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Seattle. What are you feeling here? Over under 51 as well. Uh, just initially, I'll just take the over on that 51. Honestly, I think that the uh, Seahawks have been in, involved in some pretty high-scoring games. And the Cardinals have shown that they have some offensive firepower. It just hasn't been consistent. But the Seahawks' defense isn't, isn't really that good. I wouldn't say it's on the level of the Lions in terms of horribleness, but it's it's pretty close. It's pretty close. <laughs> it's pretty close. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I would take the over there. I don't know who I like in this game. Um, I don't really know that the Cardinals should be favored, especially going into Seattle. It's a division game. The NFC West division games are always so hard to pick. They always beat up on each other so badly. I don't think the Cardinals are trending in the right direction. The end of that Eagles game was not that was a very weird sequence that last drive I, I believe it was and Gino you know Gino's he's playing with house money here no one's really expecting much of him I think the, I if I have to pick I'm picking the Seahawks but I'll take the Cardinals to cover um especially if that line drops or gets uh gets up to three points um you know, I'll 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 take Seattle here. I I I like what Gino's doing. I never thought I'd say that, but I like what Gino's doing. And I said last week, I believe that the Seahawks' next four games are very manageable if they can, if Gino can just keep doing what he's doing. And the next four weeks are very manageable. I think this is a very winnable game for both teams. Um, the question I'll ask you is: Can the winner of this game stay competitive? and make the playoffs. You look around the NFC right now, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams playing above their potential right now. I think one of these teams is is could be it, but you know, looking in there just within their division, they're a game both these teams are a game out of out of first place here. They're a game out of first place. And I think I don't think either of these teams, I think you'll agree with me, neither of these teams are built to dig themselves out of a hole. So I are can either of these teams stay like the winner of this game? Can they stay competitive and potentially make the playoffs? For Arizona, yes. For Seattle, no. I I, I give Pete Carroll, and I've always had a lot of respect for Pete Carroll, in spite of you know some of the dips and turns we've seen out of Seattle the past few seasons. Uh, he is doing a tremendous job this year, and he's already basically got this team to a win total that I wasn't sure they, they could surpass this year. <laughs> right. Considered. Um, hats off to them. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. That would shock me even to this end. I, I've seen Seattle play well, play competitive. I, I love what they're doing. The energy is fantastic. I, I get it. I'm just not going to put Seattle in the playoffs until, they're, until it's the last couple of weeks of the season. Arizona is a team that if they get DeAndre Hopkins back and if that offensive line that's a little old and got some injury questions, if they don't get too hurt, they could catch fire. And there's a lot of real estate up for grabs in that NFC. And Arizona is a team that could just explode offensively, and they haven't done it yet. I keep waiting for it, and they're not doing it. They could do it. If they win this game – then they're at three and three, and I don't remember which week they get Hopkins back, but if they get him back in a week or two, 
And if the Rams continue to struggle and if maybe the Giants start to regress back to the mean a little bit, et cetera, et cetera, yeah, Arizona's still got a shot at the playoffs here, even though there's a whole bunch of question marks there. Who do you, who do you like in this game? Yeah, give me Arizona. Do I trust okay. them? No. Uh, I, I could see <laughs> – I favor the over like you, but it's a large over. It's large enough at 51. It's large enough to where – if either offense fails a little bit, they won't pass it, right? One team right. can score 30 easy, but if the other team has a turnover or two or a missed field goal or two, then you miss the over. So I, I like yeah. the over. I'm not sure I would suggest betting money on the over. I'll agree to that because, you know, Gino is Gino. He's been playing over his head here. Like, you know, he's credit to him. Credit where credit is due. Um, but I, I don't think if if Shane's listening to this right now, I don't think he's he's uh he's your number one fan right now, Ben. <laughs> Shane, if you're listening to us, uh, you don't know this yet, but you're coming on next week, man. Guess what? Oh yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later, Shane. <laughs> you don't know yet, but you're gonna be on here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, probably game of the week. It was what some people are calling the the playoff game of of like the best playoff game in, in NFL history, a rematch of that. Uh, it's the Bills at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are surprising to me. They're two and a half point underdogs at home. To me, I, I don't really understand that. I, I, I don't get that really. But um, we've seen – We've seen some pretty powerful throughout history. If we're just looking at history here, we've seen some pretty powerful duos in terms of like coach quarterback combinations. Is there a better quarterback coach quarterback combination right now that you would rather have than Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? That's a great question. I, I, I'm rolodexing through the league right now, just at a glance. Uh, I, I guess. Brady all by himself with any coach would be the only thing that I would consider, <laughs> right? Brady plus any coach is that better than Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, right? Brady, that's, that's, Brady that's and probably... Joe Judge, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> and right. and Freddie Freddie Kitchens, <laughs> yes, Brady and Freddie Kitchens, really? <laughs> yeah. So you know, and I I'm sure some team out there, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, uh, maybe not Pittsburgh, but uh, some team out, some fan of some team out there is going to say, well, you know, our coach, our quarterback is the best, right? But in general, uh, by us aside, there's no coach quarterback combination in the league I would rather have than Andrew Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They enter every game with a combined advantage in that relationship, right? In those two categories put together. You might have a coach you like better than Reed or a quarterback you like better than Mahomes, but those two put together, they've got an advantage in almost every game they play. It's up to the teams to find advantages somewhere else on the field, match up somewhere else to make up for that deficit. In this game, the Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I like the Chiefs to win. I think the Bills are the better team. I've got the Bills picked to win the Super Bowl. I, I haven't seen anything to make me change my mind about that. But the Chiefs have looked tremendous so far this year in, in most of their games, most of them. And in spite of a couple of instances with the Raiders and the Colts, the Chiefs are 4-1. and one. And I think the Chiefs playing at home with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are pretty healthy, healthier than the Bills right now. Um, I, I'm going to take the Chiefs to win this game. The over-under is 54 they might pass it, but I'm I'm not going to bet on that. I think, I think we see some conservative play in the first half, maybe, and then maybe in the second half, both teams start to open the doors and light it up. I don't I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that, that's a that's a big over under to be betting money on, right? All it takes is one injury, one one turnover to, to get you under there. Should be a great game, though, man. Tell me, tell me what's going to happen. I agree with everything that you said. Um, going back to the question I asked, I, I agree with you there that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are the best combination coaching quarterback. Potentially, like when it's all said and done, maybe ever, you know, it'll be hard to surpass given some of the excellent combinations we've had in, in NFL history. But, you know, when it's all said and done, it's possible that we're talking about this should be in consideration for the best one ever. And I do agree with you. The Bills are the better team here. 
I, I do believe that. But at the same time, I think it's crazy that they're two and a half point favorites going into Arrowhead. If this was in Buffalo, I think that's a different story. But going into Arrowhead, that's not a that's not a fun place to play. No one really wants to go there and play. The Chiefs remember what happened last year. They they know the kind of uh, the kind of hate that they've been getting. They're saying, "Oh, the Bills should have won that game." They that Chiefs fans take that a little bit personally. I think that like, "Oh, you shouldn't have won that game." But they're like, "Wait, what? We shouldn't have won that game." Um, I also agree with you that I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I think they're playing better overall than the Bills are, and that's even given like. Some of the close calls we've had, I think the Chiefs are only three and two right now. So on paper, the Bills are better and even the record's better, but I still like the Chiefs here. I think they're playing better. Mahomes looks fantastic. He looks good as as ever, really. And it's kind of holding up my MVP prediction because I said if he could play 75 to 80% of what he did last year, they'll just hand it to him because I thought Ty- he was going to struggle a little bit without Tyreek Hill. That was the biggest, uh, you know, uh, that was the worst question to have asked, it turns out to be, because it, it looks like it doesn't even matter who he has a receiver. You know, throw out a couple bums out there off the street, and he'll Mahomes will still have 300 yards. And, man, how good is Travis Kelsey? Four touchdowns. That's hard to do. That's that's really hard to do, even though if you even if you think the Raiders are crap, that's hard to do. So I like the Chiefs here. Moving on, the NFC East. I'm gonna just go ahead and say it. They're the best division in football. Okay. Now, do I really believe that? No. No. <laughs> but no. Record wise, okay, the the Giants are four and one. The Eagles are five and zero, oh. I, and I know I'm making you sick here as a yeah. Commanders fan. So, so I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> um, you know. It, but the Eagles are five and zero. Oh, the Cowboys are four and one. Dallas is going to be in Philadelphia, taking on the Eagles. It's going to be a wonderful matchup to watch. Tell me who's going to win. Tell me why the Eagles are favored by four and a half. I'm going to take the Eagles here, but I'm going to take the Cowboys to cover. I think it's going to be what? What's the over under for the game, Ben? The over under is forty two and a half. <sighs> Tight. That's pretty tight. tight. I don't know. I don't know that I would that I would bet that either. I don't know if I'd bet that over under, but I'd be inclined to take the under. Honestly, I think it's going to be a pretty defensive game. I like both defenses. I like the Eagles better than I like the Cowboys. I'm just afraid that one of these two quarterbacks is going to have an average game eventually, and. You know, you look at Cooper Cup's numbers, it's like, well, how much more average can you get? But he's been performing well outside of the box score. He's been performing well. What happens when he has an average game where he makes a mistake or two? I don't think we've seen that yet with the Cowboys. I don't think we've seen him make major mistakes yet. And likewise with the Eagles, I don't think we've seen Jalen Hurts I mean, they're undefeated, so we haven't seen him make any major mistakes that are costing them games. I mean, he hasn't been spectacular in every in every game this season, but he's he's clearly done enough for them to win. This is a hard game to predict, but I do like the Cowboys to cover um, with that four and a half number there. It's going to be, I think it's going to come down to a field goal or less. Points are going to come at a premium in this game. I like the Eagles. Um, I want to know who you want in this game, but I also want to know if uh, whoever wins this game, are they the favorites in the NFC? If the I'll put it this way. If the Eagles win this game, they, for me, continue to be the favorites in the NFC. Except I'm just not sure by the end of the season that's going to happen. The Eagles remind me of a team who manages to stay healthy. They are just literally – to throw in a pun here, they are soaring through the regular season. They could they could go thirteen and three this year, and then somehow because we know we know on the Eagles' offensive and defensive lines there are age and injury questions. They haven't come up yet, and you know I'm not trying to put a hex on the team or anything like that, but we know it's there, and you could you could see a scenario in which and we've seen this from other teams in the past 
really surprise us in the regular season, and we keep wondering, are they for real? Are they for real? And then all of a sudden, boom, there's an injury, another injury, and then all of a sudden you're up in the playoffs against a top-notch team like maybe the Buccaneers who might have improved or maybe the Rams might have improved, the Packers might have improved, whatever, and, and, and then you're out. And, and so, you know, I, I love what the Eagles are doing. I would love to see them in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, not for you as a Commanders fan. But <laughs> it, listen, the, the Eagles are for real, but until they show us that they can win an, an NFC title game against a Brady or against a Sean McVay or against a whoever, you still have to have that question lingering plus age and injury questions. Give me the Eagles to win this game. Give me the Eagles to cover. I wonder – the only thing I wonder is if Dallas is going to be able to score enough points to win. They're winning by defense. They're winning by Cooper Rush, not making many mistakes, making a few key plays. If Cooper Rush can get two big plays in this game, that's about all it takes. Two. Two big plays. Maybe two. I, I don't know to who. Two big plays. You know, if he can do that, then they could flip the script and win this game. But I think give me the Eagles to win and cover here only because I'm concerned that can the Cowboys score enough here. I'm not really going to disagree with you there. I just don't think that the Eagles against as from, from the first, based on the first five games, I don't think that even how good the Eagles offense has looked, I don't think that they can score that many points on this Cowboys defense, especially if Micah Parsons is healthy. If he's not healthy, then I think you, you have a point there that they, that the Eagles should, you know, you take points with the Eagles there. If Micah Parsons is healthy and, you know, pretty close to 100%, he's a game wrecker. Let's just call it what it is. He's, he's a game wrecker. He can change outcomes outcomes of games. I don't see them winning by more than a field goal. I really don't. It's a great point. We'll see if Parsons is healthy. He wasn't last time we saw him. He wasn't 100%. We'll see if it's something that lingers throughout the year or not. Finally, getting into uh, I think it's the Monday night game this week. Uh, it's an NFC West or sorry, an AFC West matchup. Uh, the Broncos at the Chargers. Uh, at the beginning of the season, this looked like a marquee game. Now it's kind of looking like a a game that we're unfortunately forced to watch. Uh, the Broncos have looked less than spectacular. Uh, the Chargers, you know, the record says one thing; eye test says another. Um, it's not, I don't think it's due to Justin Herbert per se, but they're, they also kind of look less than impressive. How important is this game for Russell Wilson and the Broncos? And then I guess, you know, if the Chargers lose this game, is the Brandon Staley talk, you know, on the hot seat, is that going to start? Yes. There's so many storylines in this game. I I don't know where to begin. Let let me start with the the over-under and the favorites. Chargers favored by five at home. I'm going to take the Chargers to win and cover. Uh, The over-under is 45 and a half. I'm going to take the under because I'm not sure if the Broncos can score more than 12 points or 15 points, to be honest. Fair (laughs) enough. We haven't seen anything to indicate that, and we keep waiting for it to happen. But let's get into some storylines. You have Russell Wilson, who is he injured? Is he not injured? Nobody really knows. Maybe only him. The offense has looked atrocious, horrible. Every single adjective you can ascribe to it has looked this year. At some point, you would think they've got to break out, and yet they just lost left tackle Garrett Bowles for the season. They lost last week running back Javante Williams for the season. I think they lost a defensive back for the season. So a horrible start. Now the injuries, like season-ending injuries, are kicking in here from Denver. You, you almost get the feeling, you almost get the feeling like Denver's either going to show up and win this game or they are going to get run out of the building and their season is basically done at two and four with all of the disaster. It, it feels like, and again, you know, we, we don't like to get into feelings too much because this is analytics, but it feels like Denver's at a breaking point here. We really do. So to answer your question, it's a huge game for Denver. It's a huge game for San Diego as well. Brandon Staley just can't help every week drawing attention to himself and his decisions. He's an analytics guy. He's a very aggressive analytics guy. 
that's a combination that just draws all kind of attention in the very conservative National Football League. So there's all kinds of storylines going on here, on top of which the Chargers offensive line had four excellent players. They're down one with Sean Slater, left tackle, out for the season as well. They now have weaknesses at both tackle spots. Lots of question marks here in the game. I don't really know what's going to happen. Robertson, you tell me what's going to happen. I have no idea. I, It's hard to trust the Chargers, honestly. We were all excited about them before the season started. We thought Justin Herbert was going to, you know, be an MVP candidate. And he hasn't looked bad, but he hasn't looked like an MVP candidate, certainly. The team hasn't been performing up, up to par, or at least what we thought they, they could be. And like you said, the Broncos are just a dang mess. They're not good. And with that roster, you're surprised to say that. The no there's no unit on that team where you're like, oh yeah, that's where that's where they can make their mark right there. On paper, yeah, sure. Like, oh yeah, the receivers look impressive, but they've kind of underperformed, but the whole offense as a whole has. I don't really know what's gonna happen. I could see a a game where they both go over twenty five each, and I can see a game where no one scores 20. I don't know what's going to happen, really. I, I'll take the Chargers here. I'll take the brother, the ah, brothers, the Broncos to cover, because why not? Uh, that's that's kind of this is a this was supposed to be an exciting game. I don't think really anyone's excited to watch it besides fans of both teams. Yeah, it's it's going to be I, the lots of storylines, but you, you said it right. This is not the marquee matchup we thought we were getting. Jaguars-Colts. We decided to throw this game in. This is not a headline kind of a game. Um, another team here, Frank Reich, even even the uh, the general manager uh, of the Colts. Uh, Chris Ballard. Uh, start, yeah, Ballard starting to ruminate here. Are, are they saving their jobs with every game they win this year? Is that a fair question? Uh, even before we dive into the game, how, what's your feeling on the Colts here? Um, it's not good. Uh, it's kind of going back to that uh, that thing we talked about with the Chiefs, like that quarterback-coach combination. We thought that Reich and Ryan were going to get along pretty well, and that's not that they're not getting along, but we thought that they were going to gel pretty well, that Ryan was just going to come in and take over and do better than Wentz did last year. And I think they're 32nd in points. The offense yeah. is awful. That's a great point. Let me break in, and, and for the audience who doesn't know, the Colts scored 20 points the first week at Houston. They scored zero points in Jacksonville in week two. They managed to score 20 against the Chiefs in that odd victory, right? Against the Titans, they went back down to 17 points, and even though they beat Denver last week, they scored a grand total of 12. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I Brian looks – I don't want to say he looks bad, but he doesn't look good. Um, I, I kind of feel sorry for him because this was his chance to kind of, you know, fresh start, you know, competent, at least from the outside looking in, competent organization, you know, with solid leadership up and down the organization outside of maybe Jim Mersey. You know, we thought that they were going to start showing return on investment at some point, and it hasn't even begun to show. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, he's been dealing with some injuries, but he has not looked good. Um, the weapons, you know, that the one receiver, I, th uh, I think it's Pierce, uh, David Pierce, I think. Um, I, I, I'm probably getting that wrong, but I know it's, I, and it's the it's the one receiver that's opposite Pittman. Uh, he looks good, but Ryan, the rest of the offense, Taylor, and the offensive line is not good. There's nothing good about the Colts here. So, I'll take the Jags in this game. I see another ugly game by the Colts. I don't know what to do with this game either. I, I would tell people to – honestly, that over-under of 42, uh, the under has started to look pretty good. You know, I mm -hmm. mentioned Vegas doesn't really like to give you unders that are any less than 40 points in the, in the NFL. So, like, they placed it at 42 here. I, the Jaguars' offense has struggled the past couple of weeks. Trevor Lawrence, 
you know, he's shown, shown some good things, but he's turning the ball over a lot, right? The Colts, we just mentioned it. They can't seem to score any more than 20 points in any single game, I think, is, is, is their top mark. Their top mark of the year in five weeks. They haven't yeah. crossed 20 points. So uh, we, we mentioned that four of the games that we picked last week, four of the five went under. This, to me, is a candidate to be an under kind of a game, you know, unless there's some injuries that kick in on defense here that we don't know about. Uh, the Colts are struggling to run the football because of that offensive line. They're passing for a good bit of yardage, but it's not turning into points and touchdowns. And then we mentioned the Jaguars. I, I think I'll take the Colts to win this game and cover because it's two and a half. So I, basically whoever you're picking to win is going to cover. But, um, you know, the, the, the Jaguars have looked pretty good for most of the season up until the last couple of weeks. And, and, and then it's just gotten kind of ugly pretty quickly here. So – uh, maybe stay away from this game unless you like the under, but give them the Colts to win uh, overall. Um, I have another question for you to close out our show, uh, and I'll get last thoughts from you. I'm starting a, a petition. I personally like uniforms from the 1990s and the 80s, so I like the Patriots red with the, the center on the helmet. Yeah. I like the Giants with the white pants, not gray, with the with the word Giants across their helmet um, instead of small N, small Y. Uh, are you signing that petition, or are you going to keep the uniforms that we currently have? Yes, I'm signing that petition. I would even say get the old Seahawks uniforms back. Uh, those yes, things yes. those things were awesome. I'm going to have to ask <laughs> Shane when he's on next week uh, <laughs> how he felt about those. Um, you know, the Browns – I like their new uniforms, but I felt like those old classic uniforms where it's pretty much just all white with the brown numbers. Those were just there was some about them where they looked so ugly, but they were cool at the same time. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to even think. I feel like the, the the cowboy uniforms even looked better. It was like a deeper blue than it was now. Uh, you know, the 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 old. I like the seventies. Eagles jerseys, you know, like the, the Kelly Green jerseys, those okay, things. Okay, Kelly awesome. Green, yes. No, I like the 90s version of Eagles, but yes, not the modern. I, I It's so dark, I have trouble distinguishing the colors sometimes uh, the past right. 20 years for Philadelphia. But the old Kelly Green, I can tell what color that is. Yeah, and also the old Vikings uh, uh, uniforms from like the early 80s, I think, where it yeah. was like this. <laughs> It, I don't even know if it was a purple. It was like a. It was almost like a blue color, if I remember correctly. I don't even know if it was purple or not. But those things looked really nice. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the older classic jerseys. Um, the Atlanta hit- jerseys they were pr- they were pretty nice, um, especially with the red helmets. I really like the red helmets, and I, they've done some throwbacks, and I've really enjoyed those. The Bills uniform, I like their current one because it also harkens back to the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. But that classic 80-90s with the red helmet and the blue jersey, that's still my favorite Bills jersey, even though I like the ones they currently have as well. Agree there. I, I love the red helmets there. I, I, I kind of wish they didn't go away from those, but you know, you're, you're going to change every once in a while. Yep, and the Broncos, I, I liked, you know, there's nothing wrong with the current Broncos uniform, but I liked the one from the 80s and 90s as well. Had the uh, the Mustang snorting yeah. while he's sitting in the letter D. Yeah, <laughs> bring the back the, uh, yeah, bring back the most controversial one, maybe, the, the creamsicle Tampa Bay Buccaneer jersey. Oh, no, I love those. I love those. <laughs> That's the I, only uniform that will keep <laughs> me from signing the petition. <laughs> I would love that. I love those jerseys, honestly. I'll be honest. The uh, the year, I think it was like the Josh Freeman year, where they, they wore those for like three or four games. I was loving those jerseys. I love right. them. They just <laughs> – and honestly, I would be fine with the Titans wearing the Oilers jerseys. Like, even if they just okay. still, still call themselves the Titans and they still wore the Oilers jerseys, I would be fine with that. Don't get me started. We had a, 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 on one of our other podcasts, the <laughs> Phantom Sports Network, I handed out worst uniform in the NFL to the Titans. Not because it's a bad uniform, not because the color is bad, because of the logo. I don't even know what that logo is. And, oh, by the way, they replaced one of the better uniforms in the league with the Oilers, yeah. the Oilers logo that they had with the oil rig. 
And then those really cool looking color blues that they had as well. Loved it. And then they go to Tennessee and they change it to a logo that I'm still to this day, not sure what it is. Maybe I'm just that dumb, but, uh, well, uh, yeah. what was it that that XFL team? I think they what were they called? Like the, uh, what were they? It was it like the San Antonio Roughnecks or whatever? Yes. They tried yes. to like copy it. Let me see if I'm or was it the Rough Right? No, it was like the no, it was like the Roughnecks or whatever, right? You you yeah. might be onto something there. I I never took the time to research that one. Was too busy like studying over XFL. I got <laughs> I got to find this real quick. Uh, no, I gotta say the, this while you're it was studying. the Houston Roughnecks. Here, let me send it to you in uh in the in our chat real quick. They tried to copy it, and it is just <laughs> atrocious. Like it's, they should not have done this. This is such a rip off the Oilers, and I don't know if you can see that now or not. But this is yes, such a okay. rip on the Oilers. It's disgusting. Like this is such disrespect. And I I actually like the idea of the XFL. We're off the rails here, but who cares at this point? Right. I, I was on board with the XFL, but man, this is this is disrespectful. <laughs> Look at that. That looks awful. Yeah, I'm with you. Hats off, by the way, to anybody like the Bears or the Packers who yes. have just never changed in 130 million years. They have had the same identical jersey. I was once able to say that with the Redskins, unfortunately, yes. but not anymore. But uh, yeah. All right. By the way, I'll throw this in because you said we're off the rails. the The London uniform that the Saints wore a couple of weeks ago not the not yeah. the jerseys, but the helmets. They had a black helmet. For those of the audience mm-hmm. who maybe didn't see the game, black helmet with the Saints logo. Just very simple, but it was it was a good crisp look. Really liked that as well. I think I that too. old Seahawks uniform, I think they should, uh, from the 90s, the 80s and 90s, the Seahawks, I think they should take it and chrome it up. The colors, the design were perfect. Just that helmet was a little dull. Chrome it up, and you have maybe the best uniform of the NFL. I think it would be interesting to, maybe in the future, let us know if you agree with this idea. Let it, like, have a segment now. They're just off-the-wall segment. This is this is on-air brainstorming right now. This is what me and Ben do sometimes. To like, I'm gonna give you like this classic jersey, and I want you to name the player that you think of when you see that jersey, or like that 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 old jersey, you know, like the old Seahawks uniform or the old Tampa Bay creamsicle ones, or you know, something like that. (laughs) I saw that question on Twitter a few weeks ago, and and I know you just thought it up right now. Somebody else asked me that, and I'm gonna tell you what the joke that I thought of because they asked me that about the old Patriots jersey. Yeah. And I immediately thought, and, th- and this is so wrong, if you're a Patriots fan, please don't listen to this segment. I immediately thought the player I, I'm reminded of the most is Richard Dent and Mike Singletary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because of the beatdown that the Bears gave the Patriots. And because the Patriots didn't have a whole lot of – they had some good teams in the 80s, right? But they didn't have right. a whole lot of notable names. And it was really Richard Dent and Mike Singletary that came to mind when I saw those old Patriots jerseys. <laughs> I'm going to really show my age here. Honestly, there's three players that come to mind when I see those red Patriots jerseys, and it's Tom Brady, Lawrence Maroney, and Randy Moss from that <laughs> 07 season. Those are the from three a players. From like, season. <laughs> yes. Those are the three players that come to mind Tom Brady, Lawrence Maroney, and Randy Moss. Well, listen, I bet some I'm of you out there you. don't even remember Lawrence Maroney. No, I'm sure they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Go look it up. It's a very important part of your vintage NFL history. Hey, listen, I'm proud of the NFL for showing some flex here. There was a time a few seasons ago where they weren't allowing teams to switch over to these helmets because yeah. of, I think, some uh, uniform logo uh, uh, you know, contract stuff, but Hats off to the league for opening it back up to to teams to be able to, to switch in some of these jerseys um, and remind us of, of how cool some of these uniforms used to look. Absolutely, I, I love it. Honestly, I love the the, the changes that they've made. They're I think they're starting to realize. Oh, we need to be more lenient because fans like us, and you know they're starting to hate us a little bit. So let's let's give them a couple wins here. So I like. What I think there are certain teams like the 49ers, the Bears, maybe the Packers. 
who should never be allowed to wear an alternate jersey. <laughs> right. And then there are other teams like, I don't know, maybe the Titans or, or, or the Jaguars. Jaguars would be a great one. Who should yeah. be forced to wear a different combination every single week, kind of like the <laughs> Oregon Ducks. <laughs> because <laughs> for two reasons, there's not a lot of winning tradition attached to those brands, right? It, it, you know, no disrespect. Um, we don't, it's not iconic logos. But also the, the, the colors are just really great for mixing and matching, uh, to be truthful. That's true. And I'll make one last point before we go. I love the 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 I don't even know what color it was, just like the blue, green, uh Jaguars jerseys, where that was the main jersey. And I loved the Jaguar on the shoulder. On the side yes. shoulder. I loved the Jaguar all sprawled out, sprawled out attacking. That was so iconic, honestly. They need to yes. bring that back. Totally agree, 100%. And I'll take it even a step further. They're out there. There are some tremendous artists tremendous artists out there mm-hmm. who have redesigned everybody's helmets in the league and everybody's jerseys. None seem to be better more often than the Jaguars. I've mm-hmm. seen metallic, uh, metallic black, uh, chrome. I've seen the teal combinations just really pop uh you know so i say that jokingly but yeah the jaguars could literally do a different uniform every single week and look great every single week and i don't know that many people would care honestly <laughs> they may not care <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awful but we do and thank you for everybody for listening we have yes. enjoyed it thank you for being part of our show Yes, absolutely. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that little bit at the end there. I certainly did. Wasn't expecting it. It was an, it was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for doing that, Ben. Really appreciate that. Um, as always, please give us a rate and review. Please give us some feedback either in that review or DM us on Twitter at our Twitter account at Odds on Favorites. Ben, do you have any parting words for the audience? Next week, we're going to talk about ice cream, except I won't be here, so it'll have to be Shane. I'll ask Shane about ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate you listening. See you next week.